one of the things we said in the early stages when we started was that all relationships are workable but not all relationships will work out you remember that that if you think of relationships because they are all alternatives they break when characters fail so if you have two people with different characters and one or the two of them are so flawed that they do not see the point in changing even if that relationship was going to work it's not going to work does that make sense and so tonight what we want to do is finish some few aspects on communication you know we've only covered three things and we're hoping to cover five ne? we've only covered two we'll only be going to the third one today but as i said the idea is not to try and rush anymore but actually acknowledge the fact that not everyone is at the same level in terms of what they are dealing with in their marriage so today what i would want us to do is as we finish communication talk about conflict but i want us to start in genesis and extract some few realities there in genesis chapter 2 where we read last time from verse 23 the men said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man man from the onset recognized the unity that he he supposedly has with his wife man from the onset celebrated the fact that I and this person are one. And he actually gave cognizance to the fact that she comes from me and therefore in a manner of dealing with her I'm actually dealing with a part of me. Good or bad she's part of me. So men recognize that and the Bible then says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they shall become one flesh that we have covered and then it says and the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame so in a sense man and woman had no negative pride primary emotions you know all primary emotions shame guilt fear anger all those they had no primary negative emotions to display man was not angry for any reason with the woman there was nothing to hide from each other so the purity level also spoke of this lack of secrecy you see when they felt no shame 
they felt no need to hide anything. So there was a greater level of transparency, if I may put it that way. So then the Bible talks of the devil coming to the woman and saying to the woman, no, in fact, God is scared that you will be like him if you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mind you, God has already made them like himself. But now the devil says, in fact, God is the liar. He says you will die. You won't die. So there is a conversation that permeates the relationship between them and God. Now be aware that the conversation that happens is not happening in the covenant setup. In a covenant setup, both of them are there. Both would have to assess what, being, what is being said. It is happening outside their unity. The devil is talking to one of them to the exclusion of the other. So now, when this conversation goes on, I want you to be mindful of the fact that every relationship since then has been permeated or infiltrated by external forces. A lot of what comes into a marriage and becomes problem comes from outside. That is why then God says, what God has brought together, let no man put asunder. Because the first marriage was put asunder by external forces. Conversations that took precedence over the covenant conversations. Are we still there? So then what happens next is that the woman eats and gives to her husband. Now I want you to see something. When she comes into the relationship, her relationship with the devil and the communication they have had between the two of them has taken a higher priority over any preceding conversations she's had with her husband and with God. So she comes with new information. She doesn't allow herself and the husband also does not allow himself to assess the new information in the light of what God said. So they just take that as what was said, they eat. In the same manner, if they had de decided to discuss it, two things would have happened. 
if the discussion happened when she had already eaten, a conflict would have risen. Because she would now be representing a sinner and Adam would still be representing God. So automatically there would be a conflict. But now we don't really know at what level the conversation happened because I would imagine she didn't just come and say eat and he just took and ate. Maybe he did. Don't know. I just think you and I wouldn't, hopefully. So the next thing that then happens is an observation that we all should make that Adam and Eve, when God now comes and says, where are you? Adam says, both of us have hidden ourselves. So it's not essentially the the instigator who's hiding. It is now them who are hiding from God. Secondly, they say, we are naked. So in a sense, we're seeing our shameful, our shame now. So what is happening? Number one, we feel guilty. And as a result, we feel ashamed. What is the question we need to be asking, therefore, at this stage? What brought them to that point? Disobedience. Hold the thought. Dishonoring the word of God brought them to the place of shame and guilt. Now, it doesn't stop there. It gets worse. Adam, what have you done? A simple answer. Lord, I have sinned against what you told me. No, the woman you gave me. Now, realize the progression. Guilt, shame, blame. Now, when blame happens, blame puts guilt on somebody else. So, Adam says, I'm guilty, but I do not want to carry the burden of the guilt. I cannot accept that I am wrong. Therefore, I need to put it on somebody else. Woman, what have you done? Since I cannot put it on my husband, the devil deceived me. Are you following? But I want you to realize the issue is how do people get to a point of conflict and how do they deal with primary emotions when there is guilt and shame when there's shame they hide they withdraw when there is shame they put self-defenses what did they do they covered themselves with fig leaves you remember that so when there is shame when we are ashamed of things what do we do we put a self-defense when we are blamed to carry the guilt, we have to either push the guilt forward or return it to the one who's putting it on us. 
you think it will get bad. It doesn't get bad. When the curse now comes, God says to Adam, now everything is cursed because of you, the soil, the everything. We discussed that in the first session, you remember, the last time. But this time, let's talk about, he says, but you, you will eat everything that you were given. Now you will produce out of the sweat of your own brow. What does that mean? It means you will now carry more than it was intended for you to. Are you following? You know what does that translate into? Stress. If God intended for the Lord to be here, and through disobeying him, you see what happens? You add more than what was intended. And then he says to the woman, you, your desire shall be for your husband and he will rule you. We, we discussed in length on this one again last time. But here are two things that we need to glean again. He says to him, other than the fact that your birth pains will increase in pain you'll give birth, we discussed that. The issue now is in your relationship with him, you would seek to be manipulative. You, you would want to please him at the same time want to rule him. Manipulate. But he will come as an iron scepter on your life. Remember, the original intention is that they will rule together. Not that they will rule each other. So now, he says, your husband will now rule you. Now here's the thing. Rule in this context, you must realize that it is governance given upon a sinful creature. You see, the initial rulership came out of divinity. They would rule out of the spirit of God. They would be in harmony with God. But, if man now has to rule over the woman, it is only a matter of time before his sinful nature, remember Genesis 6, the inclinations of man's heart are always towards evil. It is just a matter of time before their conflict comes to surface now. And then from then onwards, we discover that man and woman, he wants to show her that I am the man. By way of the curse, I am your ruler. The woman wants to show him that by way of the curse, though my desire is for you, I want to manipulate you. So watch then what happens. What did they do first? They dishonored the word of God. And then that dishonoring of the way 
brought shame, guilt, fear, blame, and conflict. What am I saying to us tonight? I'm saying to us, you must realize that because you and I are grappling the flesh, we are, we are grappling a nature that has in itself these primary negative in, uh, emotions. And it deals with them in an Adamic way. So we need to remember, how did we get to this point? Simple. We got to this point by disobeying God's word. Are you still with me? How do we then get to God's ID? By obeying God's word. So clearly, your marriage is not going to be what it should be if you don't understand that. Conflict, guilt, shame, everything that makes us fight today from the very onset originated from disobeying God. It will continue like that. The more we disobey God, the more the status quo continues. So marriages don't get better when characters don't get better. But characters don't get better if Christ does not rule the character. But Christ rules by his way. The measure of the lordship of Christ over our lives is a measure of the lordship of his word. So unless I get back to the word, I can be sure I cannot live within, the, within God's ideals for marriage. Ask yourself, why is your devotional life so attacked? Why is it so hard to pray together as a couple? I don't know any couple who has said we found it very easy. Have you realized it's tough? Have you realized that studying the word together demands a greater discipline? Other people here, you don't even know what I'm talking about, right? If we are talking about reading the word together, you're thinking, what? Are you, do you mean watching TV together? I'm talking about reading the word together. I'm talking about assimilating the reality that our marriage doesn't get any better than the word that governs it. And therefore, just like Adam and Eve, we are in no better condition or situation away from the word of God. And so here's the reality. When Eve came, she came with the word of the devil. Right? Adam still had the word of God. But at this point, they were no longer sharing together the word of God. I don't know if you understand what I just said. At the point of conflict and falling, Eve's heart was ruled by what the devil said. 
Adam's heart was hopefully still holding to what God said. But unless there is a mutual commitment to one word, we are still divided. I don't know if you, at least you capturing what I'm saying. Arab people think their marriages are going to be better when they don't have the same convictions about the way. You are deceived. Because you see, one stands on what God says and another one stands on what the devil says. So clearly, one stands on faith, another one stands on doubt. It's not going to work. You're just going to have one of those marriages where we agree to disagree. So what are we aiming for? We are aiming to get ourselves to a point that there is a strong conviction and awareness that, my love, you and I are not building together unless we're building on the same verse. Rather, be reading one verse a week together and be building on that verse than be thinking, read your things, I'll read my things. Because when you read your things, I read my things, we may, we're not in agreement. So when the enemy suggests one thing to you, I will come with a different thing. Are we still okay? So, here's where we are now. These people are now in conflict purely because they have disobeyed God. And we have just established their way to get to the right path is to mutually commit to the same ways from God. Having said that, so we said now, Conflict is a great test of our communication skills, isn't it? And conflict is one of the primary and most significant testers or indicators of whether our marriage is going to last or not. So yesterday we spoke about different types of communication, right? Today, let's just take it first and let's talk about the barriers that we all know. We spoke about no communication, which means verbal is absent. Again, remember we removed non-verbal. And then we spoke about Bad communication, which includes blaming, gossiping, slander. And we said, the tongue corrupts. We looked at that again. And then we went to ineffective communication. And then we got to a place where we are talking about good communication, which builds your spouse and so on and so forth. So, Ideally, all of us want to communicate well, isn't it? And today we are going to do an exercise which is, might be very fun for some, might not be fun for others. 
But let's look at what are the few barriers to that which we call good communication. Number one, it's pride. Pride put differently, it's a sense of shame. Why couldn't Adam and Eve wait to talk to God? They say, we are ashamed. So when we relate, sometimes we don't want to be exposed. What we want is an accolade. Isn't it amazing that your spouse can end up saying to you, it's me, it's just me. You don't have to play macho. You don't have to, it's, it's just me. You know what does pride teach you to do? Instead of building towards transparency and trust, you want to build towards admiration. You want your spouse to say, wow, my wife is strong. You know, when his father, her father died, she did not cry. You want to be admired for things that are not even going to build their relationship. You are a man and your idea is that tigers don't cry. But you know, your wife knows you are hurting. The problem is that you are not aware that you are hurting her by hating alone. Two, barrier number two, vulnerability. When we don't want to be vulnerable to show ourselves, remember what we said, that your wife and your husband already knows everything. The stuff you can hide, they know. But when we become vulnerable, remember we said other people are scared of being judged. So here's something that you need to try and do with your spouse. One day try to say to your spouse, I'm afraid to tell you something because you know why, why when you are afraid. You remember we spoke about blocking. You must be able to say, you know, sometimes I'm scared of telling you things because I'm afraid you will dismiss me or you, il you will invalidate how I feel or you will say I'm a nagging person. Tell the truth so that the person can know that I want to be vulnerable but you're making it difficult. Number next, fear of upsetting my partner. Other people think it is heroic to be silent. But you are not helping your marriage. You know when, as a woman, you say, How many times have we not said things because we did not want to upset people? Guess who becomes upset in the process? You resent the person that you don't want to upset. How's that? And others say, I don't want to speak my opinion to my husband or to my wife. As a wife, if I speak my, op my opinion, I'm being insubordinate. I'm not submissive. Do you realize that's not submission? 
Submission is not fearing to air your opinions. Submission is admitting that your, your opinions were not taken. You understand the difference? So it means I must be able to tell my husband, I must be able to tell my wife, this is how I feel, this is what I think. And all things considered, when a decision is taken, the decision is taken. And that's what I submit to. Sometimes people say, I don't want to bother my partner. The problem, yes, ma'am. Hold on. Okay. Um, it's a little bit confusing. Uh, fear of upsetting your partner. How do I... There's, there's, there's this advice, Yahore, as a wife, you need to submit and pray more and speak less. Mm -hmm. um, and then how do I use both? Fear of upsetting my partner. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, I hope you understand me. How do I know when to speak and why not to speak because I'm reminded of but you must be more prayerful, pray more about certain things and don't just speak. How does that get confused with I'll upset him? That's very interesting, isn't it? Let me ask you a question as I talk to what she's talking about. When I'm hurt, ne? Okay, let's, 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 let's think about what James says. James says, is anyone hurting or what? Let them pray. Right? If anyone is sick, let them call the elders. Right? Now listen to how Paul speaks. Paul says, in one context, Women must go and ask their husbands stuff at home. Right? Now here's a question. Am I only allowed to ask stuff that I did not understand at church? That's not what he means. He means if I don't understand, I must ask. Why? When I pray, purely because I want to suppress my emotions, I'll end up resentful. You understand? So which means, I need to know, when I pray, am I actually deciding not to talk? If you decide not to talk, you are going back to what we are saying, no communication. Does that make sense? So which means prayer often actually must follow talking. Because you see, if I'm angry, I could be talking about handling conflict. I should know how to handle conflict, which is what we will be talking about next. But it doesn't mean I should avoid it. And go and do what? And pray. 
I must talk. The question that I must ask them is how? When? So, for instance, rather pray about how to talk about it. Rather pray about wisdom to discuss the matter. Rather pray about God uprooting anger. Don't pray about not talking. Because when you don't talk, guess what you keep? And they build. And as they build, they have a way of coming out the wrong time on the wrong occasion. Does that make sense, madam? Here's the next one. Self-centeredness. We don't talk because we think more of ourselves than our partner. You know those people who don't want to talk if something does not affect them? What to lesson do Lack of scheduling time together, just the two of you. Other people, we don't talk because we don't have time together. You, you know how many of us here have been given this advice before? Have a date together. The first two weeks is going, eh? but we never really see the point. We, we, we visited a couple uh, in Denver while well, they were hosting us. Sure, they challenged us by something that they do. They are very busy, busy, busy. They are a busy couple. But every night, when all of us went to bed and the kids are put into bed, they would sit and have their time. And you know, you would go, maybe we'll check our TVs play. You find them sitting, talking, drinking tea. And you think, yeah, but we don't do that. We get home, we do what needs to be done, we go to sleep. Isn't that the, the truth? So you don't schedule time, just the two of you. The day you talk is the day of conflict. And you don't realize that regular talks actually reduces the potential for conflict. Next one. Lack of empathy. When you, you lack empathy, it means when you are sitting this side, you see six. Number six. Ne? If I'm sitting the other side, what do I see? But you are going to maintain that it's six. You never want to understand and rephrase what your, your partner is saying. If your partner says something, before you enter their shoes to try and understand, you already have an answer. And you know when people feel like, Because now, already, you have already decided what they want to say. And you remember, it's foolishness to answer a matter before it's... Amen. Impatience. Other people are just impatient. Have you ever been, whilst you are still talking and somebody says, get to their point. 
and this person is your spouse or what are you trying to say exactly this has never happened to you i'm happy for you selective listening hey good good Sometimes selective listening, the worst part of it is that people listen only to words and not to what is implied and the emotions carried by it. They 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 listen rationally. You said this and this and this. And the next person feels you have not heard me well. Yes, I said that. But you should have heard the cry of my heart. What am I communicating? Hey, <laughs> so basically, put easily, you missed the hint. And somebody says, Why hint if you can say what you need to say? Unfortunately, that's still part of communication. Have you? I don't know how many of you have ever had this situation where your girlfriend, who's hopefully now your ex, <laughs> if you were not there that day, it's okay. You will catch it somewhere. Other people married their ex-girlfriends again. Okay. You were not there. If you were not there, sorry for you. Here's the point. You have a conflict and your girlfriend says, you can go if you want to go. Or you want me to go? It's up to you. <laughs> and then guess what you do? Down the head, you go. <laughs> Tomorrow, you are surprised that the fire is burning seven times now. The f- yeah. I get my one Hey. I take it Did you not understand? I wanted you to be with me. So why didn't you do say that? You know that situation. Comes in different forms, doesn't it? Selective listening. Simmering negative emotions. You know when you simmer something, those who cook. Yeah. Other people like their emotions to simmer. They do not report how they feel. You know, sometimes the best thing is to say, Love, you know when this happened, I was not happy. But we'll talk about it later. You understand? It's better than And then you know the relocation of the nose. Your nose moves from here to here. You are angry, but nobody knows why. And that simmering of things, you know, the whole point of letting things to simmer is that the taste, if you are, if it's spicy, so you know that it becomes richer. Guess what happens when anger simmers? Everything now becomes 
But And you think, how? What's the problem with the chair? Now the problem is not there. Is that this thing is. But you realize when you let it simmer. By the time you communicate. Wow. It's a bomb, isn't it? And here's another one. Okay, let's make it the last one. Or the second last. Lack of honesty. How are you? Are you okay? Is there something? No, nothing. I mean, I'm guilty of the second part. Why do you say there's nothing when clearly there's something? Why can't you say, love, you know, at this point, I'm angry, but I don't want to talk when I'm angry. Can we leave it for later? Nothing yet then you can tell. Give nothing. Listen to the one I'm guilty of. Agree, this is lack of it creates barrier to communication. Saying I'll be fine or I'll be alright. Why can't you say what is troubling you? Because by implication you say I am not fine. And here I am trying to come alongside you to support you. And instead of getting giving me heads up at least, guess what you say? I'll be fine. You know what does that sometimes communicate? Get out of my life. I need to deal with this issue myself. Is that what you intend communicating? But that's what you've just communicated. I don't need you to deal with this matter. And the last one, unclear goals or motives. Remember we're saying, when people want to communicate and they don't know what they want to achieve, communication won't happen. Because, for instance, if I don't know whether I intend to be understood, I intend to be to inform you, I intend for someone to sympathize with me. If I don't know, we end up not talking. Because I agree there's no point. Have you ever had that discussion where after discussing you said, I don't know why we're even having this conversation. There really is no point. Well, there is no point for sure. Because there was never any from the onset. When we started this discussion, we did not even know what we want to achieve. So since we're not achieving anything, clearly we are achieving what we set out to achieve. Nothing. Does that make sense? Having said that, questions that therefore we need to ask ourselves and our spouses. Question number one. What is my typical style of communication? You need to ask your your husband, your husband. 
you already look at me with the eyes that says you i can't ask him that no you, you need to ask your partner sharp sharp how do i communicate your style of communication is what but is boring be careful what you say as well eh? but let's talk about it because you, you see for me my worst way of talking sometimes is that i finish things in my head and then i assume you should know which is terrible and i i kind of do it most of the time but you see what it does to communication i am the kind of person that says i told you didn't i tell you that day when but actually that day i did say other things that were part of the conversation in my head but not what i claim i said are you following so talk about what's my style what do i do that generally hinders our communication when we we talk you don't give me feedback when we talk you seem withdrawn when we talk you kind of um let go quickly you know those people when you are supposed to engage they like ah just do it i do it number 3 what are we going to do to make time for ourselves because i grew aware that we need to make time to talk about what about not talking and nothing <laughs> remember sometimes we talk about nothing that's the whole point because if we you know when there are those people normally husbands hopefully they are not here today as i can see they are not here when they have a conversation with their wife he speaks to the wife as an academic like the philosopher of the home okay it's, it seems i was wrong they are here such that the wives feel like can we talk like people like lovers like don't talk to me like my wife has told me not to talk to her like like she's my client <laughs> yeah agree now used to counsel people so when you speak my job is to probe you you know when you speak to your wife so how do you feel <laughs> okay i understand tell me do you mean ah then it came out babes i'm not your client pella this is the high order of communication sending and receiving messages yeah but sometimes 
that's a lousy way of communicating in marriage. So that tells you I'm not a very good communicator. But I know I have my chomis here. <laughs> I know you are laughing at yourselves, not me. When you speak, your wife sometimes feels like she's doff. Like now when she has to say something, she has to think twice, thrice, three times a lady. Number four. How can we feedback or give feedback to each other if our communication is getting bad? You, you realize that nobody wants to be told that hey, you are a bad communicator. So we need to agree. How are we going to give each other feedback? You know, sometimes we ask these questions. We, I remember one day we were working with my wife in the morning and in the salt and we were talking. So how are we doing these days? Now we talk, but you still don't talk about how you feel. Okay. You understand that type of thing? We, we get into a point where we're like, okay, we're talking. Are we really communicating? As we said, conflict is the best test of communication. But let's just admit one thing. Is being different wrong? Being different is exactly what God created. We're struggling to deal with differences because, remember, we don't want to appreciate God's word about how we should function. So, as a point of departure, let us say differences may mean difference in opinions as well. You understand? If somebody is a suitable helper, if I know that this chair must be put like this, I don't need a helper. Right? But if there were other ways of putting this chain, then clearly I need a help. But you see, the helper might actually say, when you put in this chair like this, I mean, you see, there's no order. There is a row. Maybe it's better when you put it in a row. You see there's some kind of order. Now, that suggestion and opinion came out of our differences. Now it is up to me to see those differences as a necessary supplement and complement to the relationship or as a competition and a power struggle. It's up to me. So we want to explore some of those. So in a sense, disagreements are normal and are actually good in harnessing change. If there's no difference of opinions, there won't be change. But change is necessary, isn't it? And you need to go and we, we spoke about, think about what causes arguments in your family. And tabulate those things. For most of us, it's money. Others, it's kids. Others, it's house chores. Roles, I get. Others, it's personal habits, like untidiness. Look at the faces. Shadabaros. 
Eh? Sex, parents, friends, many things that we have included other under marriage breakers. Again. So conflict handling is the primary marriage breaker or builder. So conflict, we all accept, is inevitable. As a matter of fact, it's necessary. It depends on what you mean by conflict. Conflict simply means opposing. So if things are opposing, they are not necessarily wrong. Does that make sense? It might actually mean supplement and modify. Supplement and modify will come as a conflict. If I say, let's buy a car. I would, I think, let's buy a polo. My wife will say, I agree, let's buy a car, but let's buy what? A Fortuna. <laughs> Why? Because the family is extending. But you realize that that conflict was necessary. If it, it, it was not necessary, or if it was not there, we would not have arrived to the right decision. So most of the time when we say conflict, we only think of negative implications. But we must embrace that. No, no, conflict is necessary. Whether we turn it negative or positive, that's now up to us. And that's when it becomes a breaker or a builder. Are we still there? At the core of our communication is how we handle conflict. Because we are different people, we are always going to have different opinions. If we think of different opinions as you are challenging me or as a power struggle already, we are going the opposite direction of where we should be going. But most arguments central to them itself. You know, most arguments, negative conflict is a result of self-preservation, self-ambition, self-centeredness. It's about me, not about us. So here are a few things that I want us to embrace. The fact that conflict can be positive and is necessary for change. If we are same, the same if you merit yourself, you will kill yourself, you know that. Because there won't be adventure to your life. Imagine, let's go to shop, yes. Let's buy bread, yes. Everything is, you realize how it would be. Because you won't have a different opinion. And amazing enough, here's what happens. Let me just capture this one before we go any further. 
Do you realize that most of us kill our differences early to bring in tolerance and in marriage we realize we don't need tolerance, we need those differences to work. But now, since we killed them to try and be same, it's hard now to embrace them. Have you realized what we like saying? We have so many things in common. And that's the reason why we choose to marry each other. And we realize later that I hate commonness because it does not better me. It only highlights what I already am. Are you following? We closed differences out because we saw differences as the bringing negative conflict. Now, when differences prove that we are necessary for the relationship to work, it's hard now. That's when you start talking about upsetting each other. Because remember, when people date, put simple, how about Bajola? They lie a lot to each other. They have a lot to hide. Even when they try 